As a mom, you wear a lot of hats, and sometimes it seems like you're going in a million directions at once. At the 29-Minute Mom, we want to give you the tools to bring it all under control and reach your highest potential. If you give us a few minutes, we'll help you find those extra hours you need every week to achieve balance and satisfaction in everything you're trying to get done. The 29-Minute Mom. It's time just for you. And now, here's your host, life's organization expert, author and coach, Jennifer Ford-Berry. Hey ladies, we're back again with another episode of the 29 Minute Mom. And today, if you want to get your money organized, if you want to learn how to save money and just invest it properly, you are going to love my guest, Britt Williams Baker. She's a Harvard Business School graduate, an expert investor with over 10 years of experience and money mindset coach. She is the co-founder of Dow Jane's that teaches women how to take control of their finances with a step-by-step education and community of support. I love that name. Welcome to the show, Britt. Thanks so much, Jennifer. Good to be here. I'm so glad you're here. So you know on the show, we love all things that help us simplify our lives and help us get more organized. And so what better topic to talk about than getting organized when it comes to money? And it's funny because, um, you know, I just put out a new book, this summer. And one of the things that I talk about in the book is how, when you get organized, you free up space, time, energy, and money. Mm. And so when you have more of those four resources, there's so much more you can do with your life and your life's purpose. And so I'm really, really passionate about that in general. So I want to kind of just get started with the audience and just tell us a little bit about where did, you know, how did you get to where you are today? Because I think it's just amazing that you went to Harvard and now you're working with women and you're empowering them and you're teaching them a life skill that a lot of women not, you know, they have never been taught this before. We didn't learn it in school. Um, and now I know it's kind of split in households. Some people, the women are taking care of the money. Some, the men are taking care of the money. And I just think it's such a, a cool thing to be able to know that you're doing the best with a resource that's so important. So go ahead and just kind of tell us a little bit more about your background. Yeah, absolutely. And I will tell you that I'm also an organization fanatic. And so I've Yay! got to pick up your book. <laughs> I love um, it. Yeah. So background on how I got into this, you know, I was one of the lucky few that was taught personal finance from a young age. I was seven years old when my dad taught me about compound interest. And so learned the importance of saving and investing from a really young age. Um, And then I learned how to invest in the stock market when I was in college. So when I moved back to the Bay Area post business school, I had girlfriends asking me, you know, will you teach me how to invest? What should I be doing with my money? And so I started an investment club in my living room. It was called Dow Jane's back then, named after my mom's investment club. Which I love the name. It's the cutest thing ever. (laughs) Uh, And then, you know, it basically grew beyond the living room. There were enough people who were interested that I went to my best friend and asked if she wanted to start an online business with me. And so we brought it online so we could reach people, you know, outside the Bay Area. And now we have people all over the world in our programs. 
That's amazing. So when you're, when you start working with women, they come to you and you're like, you know what, Britt, teach me how to save more money. Where do they start? So people might be surprised to hear this or, or they might not depending on their backgrounds, but it all starts with mindset. So when it comes to money, we all have stories. We have the stories that we grew up with that either, you know, money is evil or I don't deserve money or, uh, you know, money is for people who aren't doing good in the world. Like whatever your story is, first you have to rewrite that and believe that you're someone who deserves money. Uh, you know, you're going to do good things with money, whatever your new story is that you need to write so that everything going forward can happen. Because mm. when you have those those stories in place that are keeping you from taking action, nothing else is going to change. So mindset is the first piece. So true. And it's funny because don't you, you know, I kind of believe that I'm only going to have as much money as I believe that I deserve to have, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, some people call that an upper limit problem. It's like they, yeah. just don't, they can't get past that, you know, what they believe is possible for them. Yeah. And isn't it very generally generational? Like if you grew up with a family that had a mindset of lack, then you tend to carry that with you into your adulthood. And if they have a mindset of abundance, then you carry that with you also. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to, it's what we carry with us, but it can shift. You can shift into an abundance mindset. Yes. I love that. I ha happen to be a person that literally walks around thinking anything is possible and I've just always been that way. And my husband is more black and white. He, mm -hmm. he kind of, he doesn't look at it as like the sky's the limit. He looks at it as like you work and you get a check and then you advance and you get a bigger check where I, me being an entrepreneur, I'm always like, I can think of a new idea that could create money tomorrow. So how, how do we kind of change our mindset if we are feeling like we're coming from a place of lack? Yeah. So there's a couple different ways. Um, the first, which I've kind of mentioned is, you know, actually looking at your story. So doing a journal exercise on what is your first memory of money and how has that fixed itself in your mind? And then another exercise we have people do is writing their money persona. So you give yourself a new a name. We have a lot of alliterations in our program. So like bountiful Brit. Mm -hmm. And then you write the story of who that person is with money. How do they treat money? How do they interact with money? And you channel that as you're, you know, paying for something, deciding to buy something or paying your bills, you bring that new money persona in. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Another piece is, you know, it's all about your relationship with money. So we talk about this the same way you would think about your relationship with a person, with a friend or a partner. You know, the more time you spend with that person, the stronger that relationship is going to be. And so one of the critical pieces we teach in our program is about spending time with your money. We call it a weekly money ritual. And it's an hour of what we call self-care. It's truly self-care, taking care of your finances. And so you sit down, you pour yourself a glass of tea, uh, light a candle, like whatever you need to do to make that experience positive and enjoyable. And then pay attention to your finances, either look at your credit card statements, look at what you've been paying or do the research on that um, 401k you've been holding on to, but haven't invested yet. You know, whatever that your kind of money chores are, take the time to do them. Oh, I love, I love that idea of looking at it as self-care. That's amazing. And 
I find when I'm working with my own clients that sometimes they don't want to organize their money because then they have to actually look at it and they have to be honest with themselves about their spending and where it goes. And they'd rather just like, you know, avoid it. What I've, and I remember being like that at some point in my life. I do remember that. And now because I have, I don't, I didn't look at it as a self-care ritual, which I definitely, that's a great way to look at it. But I look at it as sitting down and organizing my money and staying on top of my money. And I have learned to really enjoy it and get really nerdy about it, you know, and <laughs> thinking that, you know, QuickBooks is super fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, what has happened? But there's something that by doing it that way, you feel like you are controlling your money instead of your money controlling you. Is that part of it? Okay. That's such a good way to put it. That's such a good way to put it. Yeah. We have people come to us. We call it the head in the sand approach. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm just not going to look at it cross my fingers that it's okay. Um, But what happens then is that it causes so much unnecessary stress because you, you know, in the back of your mind that something's not right with your financial situation. You know, you're going into credit card debt or you can't pay the bills, you know, something's wrong, but you don't actually know exactly what's wrong until you can't fix it. Mm -hmm. So the way we try to motivate people to want to look at their numbers is reminding them that there's no shame involved. Whatever has happened, it's in the past. It's likely because you weren't given this education. It's not your fault. And the thing that you can do right now is start paying attention and just getting the truth, just knowing the truth about your financial situation. Because once you know that, then you can you can decide to change things or not, but at least you'll know. Mm-hmm. One thing that really helped me to feel like this is more a more enjoyable process is to be, find the truth of my money and then find ways to measure the growth. So I remember my husband and I went through Financial Peace University and I set up a spreadsheet and it really helped me to say, okay, here's my debt, but if I paid this much extra per month, I could actually see the number on the other side of the spreadsheet that would show me how it would go down. And if I wanted to save, I could see how it would grow. That made me feel powerful. That made me feel like this is a tangible step I can take. I can, you know, if I pay another $100 um, toward a credit card bill, I'll be out of that debt sooner. So where can I find $100? And it was something that I could control. And that made me feel powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for people who I also love spreadsheets, (laughs) not everyone does. Yeah. And for those people, there are tons of, you know, tools and templates and things online, like retirement calculators, compound interest calculators, debt calculators, where you can just plug numbers in and see what the outcome would be. And you're absolutely right. Getting that tangible answer of here's what would happen if I saved an extra $300 for my, towards my retirement each month can, can be hugely motivating. I love that. So let's talk about, um, you are, you know, a teacher on this topic about how you can spend your money in alignment with your values. I think that's really important. Being an expert organizer, I see how people spend their money all the time. And a lot of times they'll spend it on things that they can get that quick high from that quick feeling of happiness. Whereas, you know, someone else might not get that from stuff, but they might get it from a vacation. So we all make, you know, we all have our ways of spending money that kind of fulfill us and align with our values. So how, what is some advice when it comes to that? Yeah, absolutely. So the first step is identifying your values. What is it that you care about, that you care about 
above and beyond other things. You know, for me, that's investing in uh, women-owned businesses, Black-owned businesses, community, investing in community. So whatever your individual values are, identify those first and then see how your spending is tracking against your values. So, you know, I'm also a minimalist and anti-consumption. So, you know, I'm at this point, I'm not buying anything off of Amazon anymore. And that, you know, not only helps- Amen to that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, you know, it's something I feel really good about. And so when you align your spending with your values, you're you're voting with your dollar. You're using Mm. your money to say what you care about in the world. And as a result, you're bringing a consciousness to your spending that just doesn't happen these days with credit cards and online shopping. It all just can happen so quickly and so easily that we don't bring that second level question of, you know, not only do I want this, but do my values want this? Is this something that is an uh, exemplifies what I believe about the world? Oh, I love when you said you're voting with your dollar. That's powerful. It really, really is. So when you started to go down this journey, what like this path, tell us tangible steps that you took, because I love the fact that you said you're consuming less, you're voting with your dollar. And I think that people are listening going, yes, I want to be this. Like, this is so inspirational. Where do I start? Tell us some concrete steps we can take starting this week. Yeah, starting this week. So first, write down what you think your five top values are. Is it, you know, um, the environment, you know, protecting the environment? Is it um, spending time outside? Is it being with family? Like just outline your top five values. And then next to that, as a fun brainstorm, think about ways you could spend money in alignment with that value. So like, how could you spend more money in alignment with that value? So for me, you know, time with family, I could go visit my parents more. That would be in line. And then think of one thing you could eliminate. So for me, you know, valuing the environment, could I eliminate buying plastic or shopping on Amazon? Something that impacts the environment. So think about one thing you could do and one thing you could take away in terms of your spending activities. Mm, this is good. Yeah, there was something else I was going to say. <laughs> I also think that when it comes to, okay, so this is what I see on my side in homes every day, is there there's overconsumption because of lack of organization. So I always say like things together because then you know how much of each category you have. Most people's homes are not set up that way. So for example, we just did um, uh, like a master bath slash, slash overstock area of beauty product. And my client did not realize how much she had. I mean, she had gobs and gobs and gobs. The reason why she didn't know it was in different drawers. It was in different makeup bags, different travel bags. And when we put it all together, she was kind of appalled. And I realized that because people can't find what they're looking for, and it's not easy and accessible, they just keep buying more. That's a waste of money. She could have saved so much money. So that's one thing that listeners could start to do. It's get everything together and realize that, okay, now I have it in my mind. And I usually tell people to make a list of things that they should have a spending freeze on. Like maybe for her, it was beauty products. Maybe for someone else, it was gift wrap. And I'll Mm -hmm. say, tell yourself, you do not need any more of this. Do not buy it. Because we go into stores and we just are on autopilot of purchasing. And and so if you're doing a spending freeze, you're not only creating less clutter, you're freeing up space and you're saving money that could be 
spent either in alignment or into an investment account or paying off debt. So oh. this really ties together with that. What other one other thing, I'll, just before I go to the next thing, one other thing, bring, which is exactly what you were just talking about, is bringing the consciousness to spending. So in addition to, you know, putting a freeze on something or thinking about how to spend, to actually track how you're currently spending money. So every time, this is something we have people in our program do, every time they spend money, they add a line into a spreadsheet saying what they, how much they spent, what it was on. And then we have them rank it as positive, negative, or neutral. And so is that something that's feeling, is it positive? Is it in line with your values or is it negative? Is it something that you don't actually like spending money on? And just bringing that level um, without the, you know, there doesn't have to be any judgment. It's just tracking it. It's just there to get information. Gotcha. Is there an app for that if they don't want to do a spreadsheet? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> So what other organizing tips can you give us as far as how to get our money more organized? Yeah, so having a clear picture of exactly where your money is, is a thing that everyone should have. So you can write a, you know, you can write it on a piece of paper, you can do it in a spreadsheet, but basically creating a net wealth tracker. So exactly what the account is, how much money is in it, is it invested as an investment account? And then tracking, so both your assets and your liabilities. So any debts that you owe, uh, car loans, mortgage payments, student loans, just tracking all of that so you have a clear financial picture. That's a great starting place for getting organized so that you know, kind of that helps you know exactly where you are and what you should be working on next. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what about once they decide they're going to, you know, it sounds like most of the time right now we've been talking about eliminating debt and eliminating, you know, like overspending for no reason. So once you start to get that under control, what is the next step? So once you've paid off all of your high interest rate debt, that's things like credit cards, you know, anything over 7%, you want to pay that off first because that's harming you. It's if you try to invest while you still have high interest rate debt, you're just you're pouring water into a bucket with holes in it. Ooh, so that's, that's a good analogy. <laughs> that's the first step. You can, and just to compare it, you can have things like a mortgage, like a 3% mortgage. You can have that for a long time. We call we call that marathon debt. It's okay to hold on to that for a long time and invest simultaneously. So first you pay off high interest rate debt, then you save an emergency fund. So that's you know three to six months of expenses, enough to cover you in case anything happens. You lose your job. Uh, something horrible happens. You have your emergency fund and you don't have to pull money out of your investments. So the third step is investing. And it's only once those first two things are in place that you can really start investing and feel good about that decision. You know, investing, a lot of people think is risky, especially women. They think investing is risky. And it is if you don't have those first two things in place. Investing is risky when you have to take it out of the market, when you're investing for a short time period. But otherwise, if you have a long enough time horizon, it really, you know, the stats show it isn't risky over a long time period. Right. And if somebody doesn't want to jump ahead and hire a financial advisor, they just kind of want to dip their toe in the water. What's a good way to do that? Yeah, I'll just give my quick rant on financial advisors, which is that most people do not need them. You know, they exist because the financial industry has been opaque and hard to understand. Uh, and most of them are, are not necessary at all. They, you know, they're not beating the market with their investments and you're paying them a 
pretty significant portion of your returns in their fees. So avoid working with financial advisors generally. Okay. Unless you're in a pretty specific financial situation. But most people can do this on their own. You know, it's really, especially with the technology that's out there today, anyone can get started on their own. So there's two main ways to get started. One is if you wanted the simplest approach, like I don't want to make any decisions, I just want to invest. Mm -hmm. You could invest with a robo-advisor. So there are things like Elvest, Betterment, Wealthfront. Those are all robo-platforms where you just put your money in and they invest it for you based on answering a few questions about your risk tolerance. So that's a very hands-off way to invest. They'll take a, a small fee as a percentage to um, account for the, the service that they're offering you. The other way is to do it yourself, opening a brokerage account at places like Vanguard, Schwab, Fidelity, those are all brokerages. And you can open an account there and that's where you would invest. You'd pick your own investments. So if you wanted to do socially responsible investing or um, invest in a target date fund that's based on your retirement age, you could pick your own investments through a platform like one of those. Okay. That's easy enough, right? what what do you have to say about the market where it's at right now and just where we the just what's some smart ways to not panic and stay calm and some practical things that we should be doing at this point in our life yes yes so similar to how we started this conversation it's all about mindset having a mindset of an investor means, you know, thinking about this as a long-term game, having patience, not panicking, not pulling your money out. And when you built up an emergency fund first, you can do that. You can ride the waves of the ups and downs. And that's what you have to do to be a successful investor. Mm-hmm. So one of the big pieces is just really like not letting your mind get in the way of investing. It's going to setting it and forgetting it is a, is a great approach when it comes to investing, because <laughs> we tend to make worse decisions as humans. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So in the current environment, you know, a lot of people think about timing the market, trying to get in at the right time, get out at the right time. And overwhelmingly, the evidence shows that it's much more important to focus on time in the market. So getting invested as soon as you can, meaning as soon as you've paid off your high interest rate debt, and as soon as you've saved an emergency fund, getting invested and then just letting it sit and riding it out for as long as you can, hopefully until retirement. And that's when you get the most steady returns. Right, right. So what else do you want women to know if they're starting to, if they're listening to the show today and they're getting pretty pumped up and they're thinking, I can do this. I, I can start to see how I could take action. What do they need to know so that they keep going for the long haul? You know, something I heard just recently was this quote that, you know, when you teach a man something, you teach a man. And when you teach a woman, you teach a family. And so just remembering that if you, you woman listening, if you learn this stuff, you are then going to teach other people, be it your children, your relatives, it's going to live on through you. And so really thinking of it, I'm thinking of it as a, you know, a greater service community service to learn these things, not only so that you can take control of your financial situation and feel confident and secure and sleep at night, uh, but really to also pass it on and start this at the beginning of educating women about finances. I love that. And it is true that we can teach this to our children. I know my 
my um kids they've always we've always told them to put a percentage aside for saving when they started to work and my son he got his first like official paychecks this summer and they were pretty big for him and we were like okay here's the percentage you can spend and the rest has to go um to savings and he, i think if you just start kids out doing that when they're young they it just becomes normal you don't spend every dollar dollar that you earn um, and it just become, and so, and I can see that with my daughter who's in college now, since she did that, she gets it and she's continuing to do that. And actually it was funny because she told me her and her boyfriend made a pact that they were both going to like save this X amount, like a competition. And I thought, <laughs> good for you, because at least you have goals. Otherwise, you know, the Amazon button's always there when they're on their computers and next thing you know, the check is gone. So I think, wow. and, it, and it's very cool because I know, um, I've heard it be said that you teach kids by what is caught, not taught. And I think mm -hmm. if they see you doing that and they see you not blowing all of your money every week or being frivolous, then that is something that they catch. And so um, I love that thought process. And I think I just want to make sure that everybody listening today, if they feel this way, then there's probably um, just a step they need to take that they know deep down that this is something that's been on their mind and they it's kept them up at night and they felt stressed out about it. And don't be afraid because if you take a step, you're starting to gain control back by making a positive change. So where can they find you, Brett? Tell us all the things about if they want to work with you or if they want to find out. I know you have tons of resources on your website. We have tons of free resources. So if you go to dowjanes.com, you can find our free resources. We have a YouTube channel. We have an Instagram account. We're sort of on TikTok. <laughs> uh, so we send out, we have a newsletter. We send out free resources all the time. Um, so just connect with us there. If you'd like to work with us in our program, we have a paid program called the Million Dollar Year, which is... Uh, is step-by-step -step curriculum to get your finances in order. So by the end of it, people are you know, not only super confident and secure, but they're you know saving money and investing and feeling really good about their financial future. And how long do you do people usually work in that program? We offer support for a year okay. and people can move through the curriculum as fast as they want. So some people go through it in a matter of a few, uh, usually like three months is the fastest. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and some people use our whole support for the year. Yeah. Do you have um, like live coaching, monthly mm -hmm. meetings? What, what does that entail? Yeah. So the step-by-step -step curriculum is all pre-recorded videos. You can watch at your own time. You can watch them on 2x speed. Uh, and then we have templates and workbooks that stop you at each step. So it's super action-oriented. It's really, we break things into bite-sized pieces so that you, you, it's hard to not take action as you go through the course. And then each week we have three different office hours that you can go to and ask questions of our financial coaches. We have a community where they are part of the, everyone who's on the same journey as them. It's super supportive and inspiring and encouraging. Uh, that's where people find their accountability buddies and kind of work together as they're moving through the curriculum. Uh, and then we do monthly calls where we highlight one of our members and their wins. Uh, yeah. I love it. I love it. What a great workshops, community. Monthly workshops on things like ethical investing and cryptocurrency. Very cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on the 29 Minute Mom. I know that this has been really inspiring for me. I'm sure the moms and the women listening love it. 
And if you are feeling like you want to take getting, you know, your money organized more seriously, if you want to invest, definitely reach out to Brett. I checked out her website. It's super cute and welcoming and easy to understand. So I hope that um, you'll follow through and at least go on her YouTube channel and get inspired even more. And then you'll make a decision of whether or not this program's for you. So thanks, Brett, for being on the program today. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a blast. Absolutely. And until next time, ladies, we'll see you again on the 29 Minute Mom, where we know every minute of your busy day counts. Hey, sweet friend. Are you tired of feeling overwhelmed and burned out? If so, I totally get it. As moms, we have so much on our plates. It's not easy to take care of everyone, keep up with your to-do list and find time for ourselves, but it can be done. All you need is a step-by-step plan and a system that works. Plus some extra encouragement and accountability doesn't hurt either. That is why I want to formally invite you to my brand new coaching program, the Created Order Neighborhood. The neighborhood is for women just like you that want to live a life of order, calm, intention, and purpose. I promise you, sister, you are not alone in your overwhelm. All you need to do is to decide to move into our community today, and I will help you find more space, time, energy, and money to live a life of purpose and contentment. Just go to my website, jenniferfordberry.com and look for the created order neighborhood. Hope to see you there.